All right, let's turn our Bibles to Psalm 119 this morning. Last Thursday, September 23rd, marked the 164th anniversary of what I believe was the last national revival in our country. Jeremiah Lamphere was a New York City businessman turned lay preacher in 1857. Realizing his need for spiritual power to energize his ministry to the poor and downcast, he devoted much of his day to prayer in the local Dutch Reformed Church. And this spawned an idea of inviting other businessmen to join him for a time of prayer each day at lunchtime. And on the day that uh, uh, he chose to begin this, uh, he went to the appointed place of prayer. Nobody was there, but he began to call upon the Lord. And after a half hour, he was still the only one praying. But he heard some footsteps coming up the stairway, and then another and another, and by the time the prayer session end, five others had joined him. It wasn't long, though, before a revival of prayer broke out in New York City and spread to other cities in the United States. There were 6,000 people meeting for daily prayer in New York City and Pittsburgh. And at the peak of this revival, it's estimated that 10,000 souls were being saved on a weekly basis in New York City alone. And over a two-year period, estimates of total converts were cited by numerous newspaper outlets of between 300,000 and a million souls. And of course, you know, that was really the background of the modern-day midweek prayer service. What the Lord has done occasionally on a national level, I believe can still be done on a local level. It can be done in a person's heart, in a church, in a family, in a community. It's been five years since we had services of evangelism and revival, and we kind of wonder, well, why does a pastor do this from time to time? Well, we're going to try to answer that this morning as we look to Psalm 119. And the answer is found at least partially here by a term that we read this morning in our morning reading, and especially uh, in some other psalms as well. And within these psalms, especially Psalm 119, there are a number of reasons indicated as to why we need revival. And whether we realize it or not, we need revival not every five years or three years or one year, but every single day. And so, uh, as we look to the Word of God this morning, may it help us prepare our hearts for these upcoming meetings, but also aid us in our daily quest of revival. Our Heavenly Father, we do pray once again for the fullness of your spirit, for an understanding of your scripture. And although, Lord, we're not going to deal with one particular passage today, we're dealing with a, a word that we find repeated in different contexts. 
So Lord, help us to understand what your word says about revival and why we need revival and do what we need to do to maintain it. Lord, we know that we are not capable of this on our own. We know we need the Lord Jesus. We know we need the power of his spirit. And we know we need the understanding of your word. So we ask you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, first of all, as we look at Psalm 119 this morning, we need to understand what revival means from a biblical perspective. And the Hebrew term that we find translated in different ways in our New Testament uh, is the term revive. In the King James, you'll find the term quicken. And it occurs 16 times uh, in uh, this particular psalm. 11 of them, or excuse me, uh, 16 times as revival or quicken in the Psalms. 11 of those times is found in Psalm 119, and it's translated variously in other Psalms as well that we'll be highlighting. And again, whether uh, we realize it or not, uh, this is something that is is not uh, uh, for certain periods of time, but all the time. And we find the word translated restore, preserve, to give life, and other uh, uh, translations. So let's take a little bit of time to break this down from Psalm 119. I'm not going to read every verse, but I'm going to cite where these are found. So we're going to go to a few verses, and then I'll give you a couple more if you want to jot them down, of where the same phrase is found. We begin, as we did this morning, with the 25th verse. The psalmist cries out, My soul clings to the dust. Revive me according to your word. We find that same translation, according to your word, in Psalm 119.107 and also 154. Then if you look at verse 37, uh, the psalmist says, Turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things and revive me in your way. And Psalm 40, revive me in your righteousness. And then in Psalm uh, 119, verse 88, revive me according to your loving kindness. We see that again in verse 159. Then in Psalm uh, 119, 146, and also in 156, we see the translation, I cry out to you, Save me, and I will keep your testimonies. The word save me there is actually the word uh, to revive. It's the same word. And then in Psalm 50 and uh, Psalm 93 from, uh, excuse me, not Psalm 50, but verse 50 and verse 93 is translated, you have given me life, or perhaps you have quickened me, depending upon your translation. So all these references are in the context of God's word or his attributes, which are the source of revival for us. And in each of these situations, the psalmist is calling out to the Lord to revive, to preserve, to sustain, or to restore him in some way. And many times, life itself affords to us uh, opportunities to call upon the Lord in times of need either through our own failure, our weakness, 
God's providence, whatever it might be, situations develop that reveal to us the need to be revived physically or emotionally or mentally or spiritually. So let's think a little bit more about what this entails. Now, in most of these verses, the psalmist is asking the Lord to revive him. And the root Hebrew word is kaya. You perhaps have watched the film, The Fiddler on the Roof. And you remember that uh, this was about the change of marital tradition from the perspective of a Russian Jewish father as he married off his three daughters. And one of the songs in that film was to life, to life, lechayim. And that is the same root word here. And it's related to the idea of life, of revival. And to the Hebrew, life is the blessing of exercising all of one's faculties or vital powers to the fullest extent. Life encompasses the whole person. It includes body, mind, soul, and spirit. And it is the fullness of life that can only be experienced really in relationship to God. That's the biblical perspective. And it's in him that we reach the height of personal vitality and joy throughout life. Now, of course, uh, for most of us, we feel the greatest enjoyment of life is experienced when you're in good health, when you're uh, prospering, when you don't have very many problems, your stress level is at the lowest it can be, and life is progressing the way that you would like it to. And we can be thankful that that's the way things are most of the days of our life. But the fullness or the sense of the fullness of life spirals downward when tough times come, when things aren't all that easy, when we're experiencing an illness or going through a temptation or some kind of difficulty and hardship. Um, We might be in spiritual decline. We might be facing some type of calamity or loss. And all of us, as we get older, are dealing with a prospect and experience of old age. Revival is the movement back to the fullness of joy that these circumstances may take away from us. And of course, as we've mentioned, it's, it's translated various ways in the Old Testament. Sometimes it means to, to make or keep alive. Sometimes it means to nourish up. Sometimes to preserve, to restore, to recover, or to sustain. And all of these are related to a need for a constant state of revival. So revival means to recover and then maintain the highest plane of life that God intended for you. It involves the whole person being in right relationship to him. It's the restoration or the preservation of the best relationship you can have with the Lord. We might say revival is experiencing God's best for your life. Now, the problem for us is this. We often are willing to settle for far less than God's best. 
We often allow our spiritual life to deteriorate, sometimes without even being aware of it. We often live in the shadow of complacency or apathy towards spiritual truth and reality. The world becomes far more important to us than the things of God we find in his word. And our natural tendency, the old nature, is to move not toward God, but away from him. So this leads us to consider some reasons then why we need constant revival. As we survey Psalm 119 and a few others, we find at least three reasons why we need revival. First of all, we need revival because of our propensity toward transgression or sin. We all know we have a natural propensity to commit sin. Even when we become a Christian, we become saved, we still have to deal with the sin nature. Jeremiah warned the Old Testament people, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? We can't even know our own heart like God does. Fortunately, though, God has imparted to us his righteous nature through the Holy Spirit who cleanses us from sin. And so we now have the inner spiritual power to overcome sin. But we cannot remove the presence of the old nature from which it may spring. We all know the struggle that's involved in that. The author of Hebrews exhorted us, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So only as we look under him and the word that he's given to us can we overcome that sin that so easily ensnares us. Now, the author of Psalm 119 implies this truth back in some verses that we've read. So let's go back to uh, verse 33. And... uh, He says, teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I shall keep it to the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep your law. Indeed, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Make me walk in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies, and not to covetousness. Turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things, and revive me in your way. Establish your word to your servant, who is devoted to fearing you. Turn away my reproach, which I dread. For your judgments are good. Behold, I long for your precepts. Revive me in your righteousness. And we can see his desire there for the word of God and to be obedient to it and abide by his way. However, there's the realization that this is impossible without the Lord's reviving power. And if we stray from that word, then we can sin. And if we leave the path of righteousness and and transgress, Well, we need to be aware of when that happens immediately so it can be corrected and cry out for the Lord uh, so we can return to him in the right pathway. And this truth is apparent in many places in God's word, but let's stay with the Psalms and flip back, if you will, to Psalm 80. Now, as you look at that Psalm and you have an annotated Bible, you might find a note there 
that indicates that this was likely written soon after the captivity of the northern ten tribes of Israel. And what's recorded here is their anxiety in that captivity as God has exiled them from the land of promise. And uh, their, their angst comes out of verses 4 through 6. O Lord God of hosts, how long will you be angry against the prayer of your people? You have fed them with the bread of tears and give them tears to drink in great measure. You have made us a strife to our neighbors and our enemies laugh among themselves. Well, they're not in a joyful condition there. They're not in a state of revival. They're in a place where they need to be revived. And the reason that they're in that state, you know and I know, is because of their persistent sin. They were being chastened. The Lord was angry with them. They were not experiencing the fullness of joy of a a life that is revived on a daily basis. Because of the long history of transgression, their idolatry, their neglect of the prophets, rejecting God's warnings to them, and refusing to make God their exclusive God. Then look at the repeated requests as they're in that condition. Verse 3, restore us, O God. That's the word revival. Cause your face to shine and we shall be saved, we'll be delivered, we'll be revived. And you'll see that repeated also in verse 7 and 19. So they understand why they are where they are. They're crying out to get back to where they ought to be. And that's right with God. So transgression, sin against the Lord or his people is a constant threat to our daily need of revival or or the state of revival we should be in. Yet how often do we grow lax in that area? How often do we think or act as though we're no longer capable of sinning? That we have been saved so long, we're like good Pharisees that only see the sins in others. And the problems that others have. A religious pride sets in that actually blinds our spiritual perception of self. How many days, weeks, even months past time before we uh, take up some spiritual inventory of ourselves to see if we are experiencing revival or if we are actually in need of it. And, of course, this ought to be one of the purposes of our quiet time uh, as we look to the Word of God and we allow Him to speak to us and where we seek the Spirit of God to reveal sin so we can confess it and be revived. And really, this is the whole thrust of Psalm 119. There's 175 verses in this psalm, the longest psalm in the Bible, and only two of them do not make reference in some way to God's word. So this is a a good psalm to study to keep us in proper relationship to the word of God where he is speaking to us through it. And then we may have habits of sin that we refuse to deal with, sometimes even making fun of our stubbornness. And this portrays also a dullness of spiritual vitality, and the need to be revived. 
the tolerance of, of transgression, selfishness, powerlessness, a stubbornness to see or confess sin, all suggest the present and constant need for revival. And we all have to take great care in this area. The second reason we need revival is because of the pressure of temptation and testing. Now, all of us should understand by now the dual nature of temptation and trial. It's kind of a a flip side type of thing. The Lord allows us to be tempted. Jesus himself went through a period of temptation uh, directly from Satan. And God allows this to test our resolve, uh, to test our faith, to create an opportunity to put our faith and trust in him, to help us overcome that temptation and experience the joy of being an overcomer. But of course, from Satan's perspective, this is presented to oppose the things of God. He tempts us or entices us to do evil to do the wrong thing, and he wants us to fall to the desires of the flesh and to follow the old man uh, and constantly let the old man be in charge. Now again, some examples are suggested in Psalm 119. Let's go back to where we started off uh, in that section and look at uh, verses 29 and 30. And here we have kind of a juxtaposition between lying and the truth. And verse 29, My soul melts from heaviness. Strengthen me according to your word. Remove me from the way of lying and grant me your law graciously. So here we have the possibility of lying and every single human being, save the Lord Jesus Christ, has lied many, many times in one way or another. Uh, we, uh, it's easy for us to, to shade the truth in order to protect ourselves, to keep from getting into trouble, uh, to stretch the truth, or to just totally evade it. So he's dealing with that particular issue. And he says in verse 30, I have chosen the way of truth. Your judgments I have laid before me. So he's, he's bringing out the truth here. There's the possibility of being tempted to lie, but I am choosing the way of truth. Then if you go to verse 36, he mentions something else. He Ask the Lord, incline my heart to your testimonies and not to covetousness. If we ever lived in a day of covetousness, it's now in the United States because we have so much that we can covet and we can want and desire. And he goes on to say in verse 37, turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things, at vain things, at things that don't really matter. Every day we face the pressure of the worldly promotion of materialism, sensual sin, selfish 
pleasures. It's everywhere. And we have to prepare ourselves daily to resist as we're confronted with these kinds of things. And he mentions turning away my eyes. You know that the eye is the gateway, the door through which covetousness comes into the soul. So looking at these vain and worthless things uh, associated with covetousness are things we have to, to put aside. To look upon these things is to give them uh, a, a, a worth that they do not have. We place value upon them and give priority to them instead of the spiritual things of life. Jesus said, we're not to lay up treasure on earth, but treasure in heaven. So we face a constant temptation to focus on the opposite of that. And then look at what he says in verse 39. Turn away my reproach, which I dread. If you feel the reproach of the Lord, well, how does that come? It comes from sin or a failure uh, in, in the realm of temptation, where you didn't trust God, you, you fell. Uh, and he says, turn me away from that kind of reproach, that kind of feeling. Uh, I, I dread that happening to me. And he disdains it. He knows he has to be revived uh, according to the Lord's righteousness, not his own. As in verse 40, he says, Behold, I long for your precepts. Revive me in your righteousness. That's the only righteousness we have, folks, is the Lord's righteousness, which he's graciously granted to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is what we need to be revived in. So lest we think we're above temptation, let's remember one of the greatest saints of the Old Testament. King David was not a young man when he fell into sin with Bathsheba and conspired to slay her husband. He lived in misery for several months after that decision, and then he was confronted by the prophet Nathan and finally confessed his sin. And we find that confession back in Psalm 51, which again uses some of the terminology that we're looking at this morning. So let's go back there and note some verses that convey uh, his sense of need, his desire, and his experience of revival after falling into that temptation. Look at verse 7. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness, that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. So he's crying out to the Lord, forgive him in that situation where he has failed. And then in verse 10, he says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew or revive a steadfast spirit within me. Uh, Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Now, of course, that can't happen in New Testament times. But David did have the blessing of experiencing the Holy Spirit, which obviously had been taken away from him for this period of time. And then in verse 12, restore, there's the same word again, 
to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. So he's asking to be revived, to be brought back into that place of fullness of joy, which he had not been experiencing for quite some time because he refused uh, to repent of his sin and get back to where he should have been. So if you're saved this morning, you should know the tremendous pressure of temptation and the various ways in which uh, uh, the devil can present it to you. And even though you know it's wrong to res- uh, not to resist, you know the difficulty of resistance. You know how tough it is to overcome sinful habits that may tempt you really every day. And hopefully we don't get to the point where we just quit uh, trying and consistently give in to the same old things every day. So that's why we need revival on a daily basis. And the New Testament conveys the same thought as well when it says we need to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. That renewal is not, you know, every five years. It's really every day, something we need all the time. Not a one-time experience. It indicates a constant need for revival. And that renewal comes as we submit to the Spirit of Christ and His Word. Finally this morning, we need revival because of the pain of affliction. So we have the tendency of, uh, to transgress, uh, and we have the, the issue of temptation but we also experience the pain of affliction. And a number of verses in the Psalms associate revival in this concept, uh, context of affliction. <clears throat> so let me take you to a few of these verses, and you can jot them down if you'd like. All right, we start off where we did this morning in Psalm 119, verse 25. The psalmist says, My soul clings to the dust. Now, what does that indicate to you? It indicates lowliness. It indicates the idea of of collapsing from the weight of some kind of affliction. And in that, he says, revive me according to your word. And verse 28 carries the same thought. My soul melts from heaviness. So something weighing him down, something actually kind of pushing his soul into the ground, and he says, strengthen me according to your word, revive me according to your word. So the word of God strengthens us in times of depression, when we're down. So it's a good idea to read it during those times. Then if you'll uh, turn over to verse 49... Remember the word to your servant upon which you have caused me to hope. This is my comfort in my affliction, for your word has given me life. Given me life is the, uh, the term for revive. Okay, so in my affliction, again, your word is able to revive me. Then in 107. Verse 107. Here's, here's one of those verses you know by heart. 105, your, your word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. 
And 107, I'm afflicted very much. Revive me, O Lord, according to your word. So again, here we have the association of affliction, something bothering him, weighing him down, and he's looking to the word to revive him. Then if you will, verse 153. Consider my affliction and deliver me, for I do not forget your law. Plead my cause and redeem me. Revive me according to your word. So again, revival of spirit is closely associated with the word of God. And if we're ever never in it, how are we going to be revived? And how are we going to detect our spiritual state? Now let's move to another uh, psalm. Turn back, if you will, to Psalm 71. And we'll look at verses 20 and 21. Psalm 71 and verse 20. You have shown me great and severe troubles. So that tells us the Lord is sometimes behind these afflictions. Uh, He has a good purpose. And look what he says. You have shown me great and severe troubles. Uh, shall revive me again and bring me up again from the depths of the earth. Well, maybe the Lord brings those things to us so we can experience his reviving power and trust in him in those times in the future. And he goes on to say, you shall increase my, my greatness and comfort me on every side. So again, the Lord brings this uh, uh, need of revival. Verse, uh, then let's turn over to Psalm 143. <clears throat> well, on the way, let's stop at 138. Psalm 138, verse 7. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. You will stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand will save me. So there's a context of, of enemies. Uh, people persecuting you, whatever it might be, the Lord is there to revive us. And then also in Psalm 143, verse 11. Rescue me. Whoops, I'm in 144. 143, verse 11. Revive me, O Lord, for your name's sake, for righteousness' sake, bring my soul out of trouble. In your mercy, cut off my enemies and destroy all those who afflict my soul, for I'm your servant. So again, all these different uh, ways that we face trouble, we face affliction, we sense the need to be revived, to be sustained, to be strengthened in those times. And it's God's word that gives us that sense of being revived, of being sustained. So affliction denotes suffering and pain and trouble and distress uh, in the situations of life. Sometimes we're afflicted because of our own waywardness, unfortunately, and we reap what we sow. But it's more often associated with, with um, uh, normal distresses of life. It takes many forms. It's connected to pressure and strain of all these everyday duties and responsibilities. It may come from mistreatment by others. Persecution for taking a stand for Christ, for what is right, for what is true. Sometimes we're afflicted by a prolonged illness or physical malady and that weighs down on the soul. 
We face losses from time to time that can be very stressful to us. The loss of a job, the loss of reputation. Sometimes people try to to take away our reputation. The loss of a friendship, experiencing some kind of a betrayal. The loss of a loved one. In the last 10 months, I've uh, been involved in four funerals. And we've lost uh, some of our own people here. So we know what the sense of loss is all about. And in such times, we need the refreshing of the Lord to strengthen us and to see us through. And we cry out like the psalmist has done for revival, for renewal, for strength and restoration to the joy of God's best for us, even in those difficult times. All of this makes clear to us the need for constant revival. It's good and helpful to have an evangelist come along from time to time to encourage us in these things. But as we've seen, revival doesn't need to wait for a year or two or five for an evangelistic team to come and help us. We need to be refreshed on a much more common basis every day in our walk with God. That's our responsibility. We cry out to the Lord because we know we are prone to slip into transgression, to fall to temptation, and to suffer under affliction, which we can experience on a regular basis. So we need the daily revival that comes from being in Christ, being in his word, being led by his spirit. And I hope you'll ponder these things leading up to our revival meetings and beyond. Daily revival from the word of God. Heavenly Father, we thank you today of all that you provide for us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we're thankful that you have saved us from the penalty of our transgressions, past, present, and future. And yet, Lord, we daily sense the propensity to sin, and we pray, Lord, that you will strengthen us in those times and help us, Lord, to abide by your word and draw on the strength of your spirit not to sin. We know, Lord, that the devil is out to make us fall, and he will tempt us sorely, sometimes uh, in the area of covetousness as we've seen this morning. So, Lord, help us to put on the armor of God and to stand against his wiles and experience your overcoming power and stay in a state where we are revived, where we're experiencing your best and we're overcoming the worst. And then, Lord, we pray that in our times of affliction that we would not get down, we would not get depressed, but we would look to you for the strength you supply in your word and through your spirit. Lord, uh, we pray that this would help us today and each day to seek to be in a revived state and look forward to even more encouragement in our special meetings in a couple of weeks. So Lord, bless these things to our hearts, we ask in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.